It is a battle of wills. It is a battle of wills. How many of you have children? How many of you know what I'm talking about? The battle of wills. When you have kids, it is a battle that you face, a battle that you fight constantly, it seems. Even from a, the time when they're little. I mean, just little guys and girls. When you try to feed them, right? You've got the, the spoon of strained peas. You dip it in the thing. And... Why do I do that? Why was that when I was a younger parent, I would do that every time? He'd go, okay, um. And he would be like, I don't want them strained peas. You eat them. And then you eat them, and it's like, these are disgusting. How can I do this to my child? No, we have battles of wills with our kids. It can be like oversleeping. Nap time. Who doesn't like naps? Seriously, is there anything better than a post-church nap? Oh, when I go home from church, I'm exhausted. You preach twice, worship with all my heart, you know, I meet and greet everybody and, and doing the fellowship thing. I get home, I'm exa- I am wiped out. And that post-church nap, oh, it's so great. I love the post-church nap. And yet you talk to your little one, it's like, it's time to take a nap. No. What do you mean, no? Who says no to a nap? Naps are wonderful. They are, it's a gift of God's grace, the nap. God said, un- rest one day a week. I divide it up into naps throughout the week. And I add up an- another day in-, in naps. I love naps. I love to nap. I love to sleep. My little guy hates to sleep. He'll tell you, I hate to sleep. How can you hate to sleep? If I, w- if I knew then what I know now, when I was little and I didn't want to take a nap, I'd be like, oh, no, I'm, I'm napping. I, I am napping because I love to take a nap. But little ones, they fight you, and it's a battle of wills when it comes to nap time or, or bedtime. And then it gets worse from what I hear because they become teenagers. Do you ever consider this? The story of Abraham and Isaac. Isaac is Abraham's teenage son. And God says to Isaac, I want you to, uh, God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and go and sacrifice him. Abraham never argues with God. <laughs> never does. Really? You want me to go sacrifice the teenage boy? Let's go. Wood, fire, donkey, we're out. Never argues with him at all. Just saying. Teenagers. I was a wonderful child. And then I became a rotten teenager. I know, hard to imagine, hard to fathom. But I was a teenager, you know, and I had the same teenage issues, fighting with my parents uh, about the length of my hair. I just wish I had it, the hair I had then. Fighting with the length of my hair, uh, fighting over the clothes that I wear, the friends that I have, girlfriends, boyfriends, not boyfriends, but girlfriends, teenagers fight with their parents about things like boyfriends, girlfriends, curfews, friends, drugs, drinking, uh, bedtime, everything, clothing, what you're wearing and what you're saying and what you're doing. Parents and teenagers fight about everything or so it seems, right? Am I lying? No. We have these battles, and it's a battle 
of wills. My will versus your will. Who's going to win? This battle of wills. We have this battle of wills. It's not just between parents and teenagers. It's between humanity and God. We have a will battle with God. Whose will be done? Thy will or my will? We have this battle with God over our will, over who's in charge, who's in control. And really the ultimate question when it comes to the battle of wills is who knows best? Teenagers, I see you. You're in this room. Let me tell you what. You don't know best. <laughs> parents, can I get an amen? <laughs> but see, parents, teenagers, I, I know what you're thinking. Sean, you have no idea what you're talking about. You haven't been a teenager in years. Take it from a dad, okay? There is one thought that has been in my mind for 10 years since we found out we were going to have a baby, or she was going to have a baby. I wasn't having the baby. She was having the baby. But when we found out that we were going to have a baby, it's been protect the child. From the moment we found out we were going to have a baby until five minutes ago, it has been the all-consuming thought in my mind is protect this child. I will do anything to protect my child. I want to keep my child from hurt I want to keep my child from pain. I want to protect my child from anything that may hurt him. And why? It's because I love my child. I love him. And I made stupid mistakes in my life. And if I can somehow pass along the knowledge and the wisdom that I gleaned from my stupid mistakes, to my child, so I can protect him from the hurt and the pain that I had. Teenagers, let me tell you what, okay? I see you. Let me tell you what. The reason your parents have rules is not because the Bible says thou shalt ruin thy child's fun. That's not in there. But the Bible does say that parents should love their children. And let me tell you what. Your parents want to protect you from hurt, from pain, from broken hearts, from bad choices and bad decisions. They've been there. They made the stupid mistakes. Can I get an amen, parents? They made those stupid mistakes. And if they can protect you from the pain and the hurt that those stupid mistakes cost them, they're going to do it. And so teenagers, do me a favor, okay? Just hear me for just 30 seconds. You would be very wise and very, very smart to do what your parents tell you to do. A, you won't get in trouble, and B, you won't get hurt. Your parents are not out to spoil your fun. They're not out to ruin your life. They're not out to, to make you miserable. They want to protect you because they don't want you to get hurt. That's what being a dad, that's what being a mom is all about protecting your children. And do you know where that comes from? That comes from God. Because God is our heavenly Father, our heavenly parent. And He has given us His Word. I, I look at the Bible as, as a love letter, 
And in this love letter, God has set out his expectations and his rules, his protection for his children. Don't do this, do, don't do that, do these things, and you won't get hurt. The Bible is here for our protection. The Bible is here to keep us out of hell and to get us into heaven. I believe that. That God is our heavenly Father, cares for us so much that he wants to protect us from hurting ourselves and from hurting one another. That's what the Bible's there for. And God has placed this in the hearts of parents to love your children so much that you will protect them at all costs to keep them from getting hurt, to keep them free from pain. That's what being a mom and dad is all about. And so parents, keep at it, <laughs> keep going, even when it's hard, even when you have those battles, those battles of the will. Teenagers, make your parents' jobs a little bit easier. Take it easy on your folks. They're old. They're old. They don't have, amen. They don't have the energy they used to. But it's a battle of wills. And it comes down to this question of who knows best. And like I said, it's not just between parents and kids. It's between God and humanity. We're all rebellious by nature. It's like we're all a bunch of teenagers in God's eyes. Like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I know what's best, and I'm going to spread my wings, and I'm going to fly. You're not a bird. You're not going anywhere. Thank you. God loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent his only son to be our savior, to save us from our sins and to save us from ourselves. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay the price, to take the punishment for our sins. And now if we will believe in him and repent from our sins, confess our faith and be baptized, our sins will be washed away. We will be cleansed and forgiven and free. And we can take that first step on that journey of faith toward our heavenly home. But it's about one of the things that we have to do is we have to learn to submit to God's kingdom and to God's will. We're, doing, uh, we're talking about how the Father rules today. We're not talking about the Father's rules, but how the Father rules rules over his kingdom which is everywhere he rules and reigns we started a new sermon series a few weeks ago called when you pray and, and it's all about the lord's prayer we're studying the lord's prayer here on sunday mornings we started like i said the first of january and uh, we're talking about how the lord's prayer is not necessarily a prayer that we were taught to pray you may have been taught to pray that prayer when you were growing up but it's not necessarily what jesus had in mind when he gave his disciples the Lord's Prayer. And in fact, one commentator said it's more of the disciples' prayer than it is the Lord's Prayer because he taught his disciples how to pray. And this is the formula he used. This is the prayer he used to teach them principles of prayer. And that's what the Lord's Prayer really is. It's, it's principles of prayer, not a, uh, a recitation, if you will. So it's a formula uh, a, a model, an example of how we should pray, not necessarily the words that we should be praying. Not that there's anything wrong with the words that we pray, but I think it's more important to learn principles of prayer as we learn about how to pray. Because God wants to have a relationship with us. 
He wants us to be in relationship with him. And one of the cornerstones of relationships is communication. Prayer is just communicating with God. It's just talking to God and communicating with him, sharing with him the, the concerns of our hearts, sharing with him the love that we have for him. Telling, I mean, one of the things that we should do in our relationships is to tell people that we love them, whether it's your spouse or your parents or your kids, your friends should tell people that you love them. We should tell God that we love him. One of my favorite things to say to God is, God, I love you, and I thank you for loving me. God loves you, and he cares for you. And you should love God, too. The Bible says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I think you should tell God on a regular basis that you love him. If you do, and you should. So we're talking about the Lord's Prayer and uh, two weeks ago, we saw how we should pray, that it is the expectation of God's people that they should be praying, that we should be praying people, and praying on a regular basis, not just on Sunday morning, not just at a mealtime. Oh, we should be in prayer, in prayerful communication with God. And then last week, we talked about our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, we talked about the name of God. We talked about how we should acknowledge God as our Father and adore him in praise when we, when we pray to him. So one of the things that we do when we pray is we tell God that we love him. We tell God that he is awesome because God is awesome. I look at it as kind of like when you, if you were to meet your favorite celebrity, okay, if you were to meet your favorite celebrity, how would you respond to that person? Oh my goodness, do you, do you know who you are? Well, yeah, I, I know who I am. No, 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 do you know who you are? I mean, you're amazing. You're awesome. You've never won an Oscar, but you really deserve one, Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, you're an amazing actor. You're an amazing, you're awesome. You're, you're incredible. You're talented. And you would just go on and on and on about how wonderful you thought this person was. We should do that with God. In our prayers, God, you are awesome. I thank you for your love. God, you're amazing. Look at the world that you've created. I'm, I'm in awe of who you are. I'm in awe of what you've done. I'm in awe of the love that you have shown me. I'm in awe of your son, Jesus. We adore and we acknowledge God as our Father. Today we're talking about how the Father rules. We're talking about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about surrendering and submitting to the will of God. So if you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at verse 10 this morning. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 685. And we're just going to look at one verse, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. If you have your tablet or your phone and you want to use your favorite Bible app to look it up, you'll find it there as well. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And this is Jesus' teaching. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Verse 10 says, very simply, you know the words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, one of the things that Jesus was known for, one of his most important teachings, one of the things that he taught about the most, and one of the reasons he came was to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And we read about this over and over again in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Matthew wrote, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, 
proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Later in Matthew's Gospel, 9.35, says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And in Luke's Gospel, Luke records the same thing. Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God is the rule of and reign of God. It's anywhere that God is ruling and reigning. God is in charge, in control, and in command. Okay? God rules and reigns over the entire world, over the entire universe. This is the kingdom of God. And He rules and reigns from His throne in heaven over everything. God is in control, God is in charge, and God is in command. He rules and he reigns. One commentator said this. says, The kingdom of God is that moral and spiritual kingdom with which the God of grace is setting up in this fallen world. His rule and reign coming to earth as it is in heaven. Ruling and reigning in every heart, in every human heart, that God would rule and reign in our lives. Another commentator said this. This petition, your kingdom come, your will be done, calls for the full realization and experience of all that God purposes for his people. That God wants to rule and reign in every single one of our lives. He wants us to submit to Him, to surrender every aspect of our lives to His rule and reign. God is in control, God is in charge, and God is in command. So, when it comes to Jesus' reign and rule, He is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father... In heaven above, Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the name, he has the name that is above every name. He is the King of kings, he is the Lord of lords, and he is the King and Lord of our lives and of our hearts. That Jesus should be ruling and reigning in our lives. This is the good news of the kingdom. That we are not left up to our own devices. That we do not have to save ourselves because we cannot save ourselves. But rather, God has brought his kingdom to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. That God, the offended, reached out to the offendees, to the offenders... God, we are the ones who have offended God by our sins, and yet God reached out to us. If somebody walked up to you and just punched you in the nose, and then you went up to them and said, I'm, I forgive you. I didn't ask for your forgiveness. I'm just telling you, I love you and I forgive you. And uh, you can be forgiven if, if you just accept my forgiveness. Really? I don't... I punched you in the nose. I know. I love you, and I'm willing to forgive you. I'm coming to you to make this right. That's what God did. We punched him in the nose, and a million other things. And yet he sent his son Jesus to us first. The Bible says that he loves, uh, he, we love because he first loved us. He gave his son Jesus before, before we even knew we were sinners. He gave his son Jesus. And he was willing to forgive us before we even knew we needed to be forgiven. The offenders, God reached out, the offended reached out to the offenders first. 
That's the rule and the reign and the kingdom of God. That's the good news of God's kingdom. That God sent his one and only son so that we could be forgiven. That's awesome. But so God says, uh, Jesus says, we are to pray your kingdom come. Pray for God's rule and reign in the hearts and lives of every human being. For God's rule and reign here on the earth. Because when God rules and reigns, there is peace, there is hope, there is joy, there is love. That's what we want, right? That's what I want. For people to have God in their lives, ruling and reigning in their lives. I want him to rule and reign in my life. And that means I have to submit to his will. And that's the second part of what Jesus prays. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Robert Law said this. He said, prayer is a mighty instrument, not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done in earth. I love that. That prayer is how we pray for God's will. Prayer is an act of humility. Prayer is an act of submission. Prayer is saying to God, God, I don't know best, and I'm going to lose this battle of wills. And so instead of fighting you, I'm going to surrender to you. Instead of fighting you, I'm going to submit to you. Because God, I believe that you know best. And so we surrender to God's will. We submit to God's will. In, in James chapter 4, verse 15, James says, You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. That we submit to the will of God. We surrender to the will of God. We do that which God has called us to do. In everything that we say, in everything that we think, in everything that we do, we should take everything that we say, do, and think captive to this idea that I need to surrender and submit to God's will. Because this is what it comes down to. If uh, we will not change, we will not change our world if we will not submit to God's will. We will not change our world if we will not submit to God's will. And God's will, his desire, is that people follow Jesus. That's our purpose here at GFCC, right? We are helping people follow Jesus. We want to help you follow Jesus. We want to help people who don't know Jesus follow Jesus. We're about helping people follow Jesus, and that means surrendering and submitting to the will of God. For it is God's will that everyone follow Jesus Christ all the way to heaven. And that is God's desire, that we would follow Jesus all the way to heaven. So in order to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, you have to be willing to humbly submit and surrender to God's will in your life. And so maybe the first step that you need to take is that first step of faith. And you need to put your faith and trust in Jesus and be baptized. Got good news for you. You can do that even today. That if you say, you know what, I've never been baptized before. I think I need to do that. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I'm ready to repent and, and I'll confess him as Savior and Lord. And I, I want to be baptized. You can do that today. We have warm clothes. We have warm water. The rooms are a little chilly, but we got a heater. You're all good. You can do that today. Or uh, if you've already taken that step of faith and you say, you know what? I've been baptized. I just need to know what's my next step. What do I need to do next? You need to surrender and submit your life to Jesus Christ. And we do this, and in, in, in really we talk a lot about these three things in these three areas of our lives that we need to submit and surrender to Jesus, our time, our talent, and our treasure. Maybe you need to submit your time to Jesus. You need to give more time to, to studying his word. You need to give more time to being uh, involved in your own spiritual growth, picking up the spoon and feeding yourself. We have all kinds of Bible study and opportunities and groups that, we, that you can become a part of. And we want you to become a part of one of these studies or one of these groups. 
Like I said, there's a new study starting tomorrow night on Monday nights. It's going to study First and Second Thessalonians. Great way to learn the Bible is to get together with other Christians and study God's Word. I've got a new Bible study starting up in February on Tuesday afternoons at 1 o'clock that's going to study the book of Philippians, having joy in a joyless world. And that's if you're retired or if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and you can get somebody to watch the kids, hey, come on, join us Monday, Tuesday afternoons at 1 o'clock starting the first week of February. And we've got a new Bible study starting on Thursday nights in February for parents. And we'd love for you. We're going to have child care available. We'd love to have you, you know, come. We've got Kids for Christ going on. Bring your kids to KFC and then stay for Bible study. It's going to meet uh, at 630 on Thursday night starting in February. We have all kinds of different opportunities. We've got Sunday night studies. We've got Monday night studies. We've got uh, Tuesday. We're going to have a Tuesday afternoon. We're going to have Wednesday morning ladies study, Wednesday night study, uh, Thursday night study. We've we got lots of study opportunities. We want you to get involved in one of those because you're accountable and responsible for, for your own spiritual growth. So we've got to submit to God's will when it comes to giving our time or maybe join one of our groups like our, our women's fellowship or maybe join our elderberries if you're 55 and older. Uh, join the Elderberries group. It's a great way to get to know people and you build relationships and you help each other grow and follow Jesus better. So you have opportunities to get involved and to invest your time in your own spiritual growth. It's important. Or maybe uh, you need to submit and surrender your talent to Jesus. And you say, you know what? And it's more than just getting up on stage and singing a song, more than playing an instrument. You know, there's ways to get involved and contribute to God's kingdom here at GFCC, whether it's in our children's ministry, in the kids' zone downstairs, cherubs nursery upstairs, serving in fuel uh, with our junior, senior high ministry. You know, teenagers, if you're not going to fuel, you need to go to fuel. To, uh, Sunday afternoons from 3 to 5, and we have a great junior, senior, high youth group. We want you to come to Fuel from 3 to 5 on Sunday afternoons. Again, you're responsible for your spiritual growth. You're responsible, you're accountable for your own spiritual growth. And we give you the opportunities, you've got to take advantage of them. And if you're not serving in some way, if you're not contributing in some way, it's time to start contributing. It's time to, uh, to get involved and maybe help out with the men's ministry and some of the projects. Dustin Lukes has got a bunch of projects that he wants us to do this year. Get involved. Talk to Dustin and say, Dustin, what are we doing? I want to get involved. You know, men, women, teenagers, if you want to get involved, we want you to get involved. Or maybe there's a, another ministry. We have a great ministry, our funeral luncheon ministry. And I tell you what, uh, the folks who do our funeral luncheons are wonderful. They uh, volunteer their time, they volunteer their talents and their abilities, and they come and they serve grieving people lunch after a funeral service. If you want to get involved in that, talk to Rachel Batliner, Peggy Mouch, or our secretary uh, over at the office. Call the office and say, how do I get involved in the funeral luncheon ministry? We'll get you involved. It's a great ministry. Finally, we surrender our time, <coughs> excuse me, we surrender our talent, we surrender our treasure. There's a great cartoon of a man getting baptized, and he's under the water except for one hand up with his wallet. You can have it all except my money, right? You can have it all except my treasure. No, when we get baptized, when we come to Christ for salvation, when he saves all of us, and he expects everything in return. He expects us to submit and surrender to him in every aspect of our lives. And that includes contributing financially to his kingdom so that the kingdom will grow, so that more people will hear about Jesus, so more people put their faith and trust in him, more people go to heaven. Because that's what it's all about. 
It's not just self-preservation. It's not just getting myself to heaven. It's helping other people follow Jesus too. And that's what we want to do, is help people follow Jesus. That is why we get together on a Sunday morning. That is why we get together uh, on a, uh, for Bible studies. That is why we get together for fellowship dinners and things like that. It's so that we will follow Jesus better. And you know what's going to happen? The more we surrender to Jesus, the more we submit to him, the more we say, you know what, I don't know best, but Jesus, I know you know what's best. God, I don't know what's best, but God, I know that you know what's best. And when we start surrendering, submitting these areas of our lives to him, we have less pain. Not necessarily physical pain, but we have less turmoil. We have less worries. We have less anxieties because we know God is in control. God is in charge. God is in command. And I can trust him because not only does he know what's best, but he loves me and he wants what's best for me and he wants what's best for you. And you know what just might happen when we start submitting and surrendering these areas of our life to him, we might just might, by God's grace, change the world.